0: We'll yeah. be yeah. Celebration Rock Podcast presented by 93XFM here in Minneapolis and Uprocks.com. I'm your host, Stephen Hyden. My guests today are Matt Berninger and Aaron Desner of The National. I caught up with them in late April at the Homecoming Festival in Cincinnati. That was The National's own festival. They had Father John Misty, Feist, Always, Julian Baker, Moses Sumney, The Breeders, Lots of other great bands. It was a really good time. You know, I'm not really a music festival person. I've basically been there, done that. You know, I've I've gone to a lot of the big ones. I haven't been to Coachella, but I've been to Lollapalooza and I've been to others. And I think I'm at the point where I only want to go to artist curated festivals. Because when you go to the big festivals, it's kind of an anonymous anonymous experience. You know, you're in these big fields, it's hot, the beer's expensive, you got to wait two hours to go to the bathroom, which means that you have to sort of anticipate well in advance when you really have to go, because if you wait until it's an urgent situation, it can be really bad news. And, uh, enough said about that, I suppose. Um, but (laughs) homecoming, you know, it was in downtown Cincinnati, which I know doesn't sound that nice when I say it, but it was at this beautiful riverfront park and you had this beautiful bridge, in the distance. And I can't remember the name of the bridge. I know it's designed by the same guy who did the Brooklyn Bridge. So it was very lovely. And you had two ballparks in the distance, the, the Reds ballpark and the Cincinnati Bengals ballpark. And uh, it was just a really nice weekend. And the national was outstanding. On Sunday night, they played boxer in its entirety, which was really cool. My favorite show of the weekend was actually the night before on Saturday uh, when the National, they played one of those sort of classic ramshackle, drunken, messy shows, you know, where Matt Berninger was, he was in rare form. <laughs> he was kind of sloshed. He's walking around, he's throwing solo cups into the crowd and basically, you know, shouting the F word a lot and doing all those sorts of things. And, if you love the national, the, the economy in this band, the gap between what they are on record, which is this very sort of composed sounding band, and what they are live, which is, can be a really sort of chaotic experience sometimes, uh, you know, that's what you love about them. You love that they can be this more of a rock and roll thing in a concert setting. And, and that's what Saturday Night was. Definitely one of my all-time favorite national shows. Um, and it was fun, too, because I got to talk to Matt and Aaron several hours before that show on Saturday. And, you know, I had a feeling that maybe Matt would be uh, having fun on stage because he offered me a tequila shot in the tour bus. And when Matt Berninger offers you a shot, you have to take it. So I did. You know, we had a really good conversation. We, you know, we, we talked about where the National is at right now. You, you may have noticed that they're playing a lot of festivals lately. You know, they played this homecoming festival. They have a festival in New York happening in the fall. Um, and of course, Aaron Dessner, he's involved in the Eau Claire Festival uh, with Justin Vernon. That's taking place in July. And in this interview, Matt and Aaron talk a lot about being at this point in their career where they don't want to play the conventional game anymore, where they're they are trying to figure out a way that they can make being in a band exciting at this point in their career, where they're almost 20 years into it, and also different and uh, better for their fans, who are maybe like me and don't want to go to these sort of big festivals that a lot of bands end up playing at. You know, people that want something maybe a little bit more personal and intimate. Uh, So we talked about that. Uh, You know, we talked about Boxer, how they feel about Boxer. We talked about Matt Berninger's nose. I actually complimented Matt Berninger on his nose size in this interview. And you have to listen to the interview, I guess, to understand the context of that. But before we get to that, I should mention that my book... Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock. It comes out tomorrow, May 8th. I'm really excited about it. I'm actually going to be doing a special episode about the book. Uh, we're going to do that next week. Uh, my guest is going to be Chuck Klosterman. And we're going to talk about Classic Rock and where it is right now. He, uh, The paperback version of his latest book, Chuck Klosterman 10, or Chuck Klosterman X? I think it's Chuck Klosterman X. Do you know what it is, Derek? Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's 10. I think it's 10. Okay, yeah. Chuck Klosterman 10. 10 or X. Anyway, w- w- the paperback version of that book is coming out, so we'll talk about that. And We're going to talk about my book, and I think it's going to be a really great conversation, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but before we get to that, and before we get to the interview with The National, I want to tell you about our sponsor for this week, one of our sponsors, and it's our old friends at Harry's. Now, as I say many times on this podcast, probably too much, I am a man who needs to keep... The facial hair in check. So I need an affordable razor that is also going to do a good job and, and keep everything nice and tight. And that's why I like to use Harry's. Harry's, of course, sells their stuff over the internet. And by doing that, they can keep their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand, just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more. This is such a good deal that I'm offering a special offer to my listeners. Uh, Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision, so they created this trial offer, and you can claim yours by going to harrys.com backslash rock. Now, what is the trial offer? You're going to get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. That includes the weighted ergonomic handle, the five-blade razor, the rich lathering shave gel, and of course, the travel blade cover, the Celebration Rock favorite. Now, listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com backslash rock. Again, you go to harrys.com backslash rock to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to support the show. So, Matt and Aaron, talked to him at the Homecoming Festival. We had a great time. So, let's get to it. Here's me and Matt Berninger and Aaron Desner of The National on the Celebration Rock podcast. So, uh, I stopped at a bar on the way here just to kill some time and... Uh, it was, like, the rowdiest 2 p.m. bar crowd I've ever been in. Like, they were blasting way right Beneath My Wings oh, wow. and yeah, and singing along. And and uh, I feel like that was a good reintroduction to Cincinnati. This is, like, my second time here. And uh, I'm just curious, like, I mean, you guys obviously are from here, uh, but then you left and now you're back. I'm just wondering, like, what is the arc of your appreciation for Cincinnati from, like, when you were kids to now? Go ahead. Well,
1: I mean, it's funny because it's... We all grew up in suburbs, different suburbs um, that ring the city, and like the the seven hills of Cincinnati are kind of where a lot of the people, like when we grew up, and our families going back generations, nobody actually lived in downtown. My great grandmother, Stella, and her sister, Edna, worked in a wig factory downtown, and that's like my, <laughs> <laughs> that was in the 1890s, so that's my closest connection probably to downtown, but we've, music now is 13 or 14 years old, so there's been, like, we've kind of every year been back and seen this gradual transformation, and it's, but it's complicated, like, there's, you know, it's a, it can be a very conservative town, but then it has, like, an interesting counterculture and an art scene, it has a lot of problems, so, I mean, it's, it always feels like, weirdly more, we're more in touch with what's going on in the country or something when you come here than when, when I'm just in the countryside of upstate New York or in Brooklyn or something, so, um... Yeah, I don't know. Whenever we come here, I get very energized to play a lot of music. In a way, I'm not. I'm not frightened or anything. It's a weird feeling, like I just get up and do stuff, and it feels exciting, like you're a kid again playing. So there's that also. Yeah, I
0: mean, to me, it just reminds me of a lot of like midwestern cities that I've lived in, like where it's uh, there's artistic stuff going on, but it also has like the, like the blue collar, you know, vibe is always there. Like even like in the artistic spaces, which. I always really like. I don't know if that's something that you guys have responded to as well. Like when you come back, I mean, the the,
1: the,
2: the city's always had um, like a really potent and and sort of supportive art scene. You know, like whether it's music or fine arts and and um, and the the people that that are. In those scenes, like know each other and support. So I remember growing up and thinking, you know, since a conservative city, and there's but the stuff like Maplethorpe uh, happening here when the big Maplethorpe con- uh, controversy and, and all that stuff is like I've always thought of since I having a certain amount of pride in the and uh, the um, the outsider sort of groups that here that like like kind of push against some of the established, conservative establishments. I think is like Scott and I. Uh, funny thing is coming back downtown right where the hotel is now Scott and I uh, were part of a gay pride parade back when we were in, in, in school and we actually led the parade with held the banner because one of our and Scott and I are are, are, are heterosexual but but our, our friend designed the whole the whole logo and the whole system for the for the gay pride parade in Cincinnati I can't remember if it was 94 or five and um and we were there to help, and so we, we, we were all, so Scott and marched down we were in the news, marching down the streets of Cincinnati, uh, holding this banner, um, two dorky straight guys who were like leading the gay pride parade. But it was like, that's the nature of Cincinnati, it's like the supportive, very supportive underground, um, creative scene has always been there. My cousins were in a band called the Tiger Lilies here, um, uh, my second cousins, and then, and just little stuff like that, seeing those people be able to make it, in bands like Afghan Whigs and, and Guided by Voices and Breeders who are here today, seeing there's a really very healthy and su- supportive, uh, you know, south- Southwest Cincinnati or Southwest Ohio community. You know, so it's fun to come back and maybe, whatever, throw some more logs onto that fire or whatever. Yeah, I
0: mean, I remember like when I interviewed you guys last summer for Sleep Well Beast. Uh, I think I asked something about that book meet me in the bathroom and we were talking about like early 2000s new york and i think matt like you pivoted away from that to talk about music in ohio like the great legacy of punk and post-punk bands that have come out of this state and how that was a big influence on you guys when you were just starting to get into music i mean has that appreciation always been there or like Is that something you kind of gain later in life, having perspective? Because I feel like a lot of people, they leave their hometowns when they're young and then maybe they don't appreciate it until they're in their 30s or 40s.
2: I I think we've always appreciated it. I mean, Aaron and Bryce, like Sven from Lizard 99, who was was anybody in Cincinnati knows Lizard 99, and like taught those guys guitar, or at least taught them some songs. And then, Uh, John uh, Steve Earle, original drummer of of Afghan Wigs like was one of Brian's early like drum teachers and stuff so and my cousin um, Pat was in a band called Tiger Lilies and so we all those we weren't cool kids but there was you had access to all the coolest kids and then you saw the cool kids some of them make it out of Cincinnati like like Greg Dooley and those guys and and um, so so we were very aware of it. My my cousin also would talk all the time about Jockey Club, which is a, which was a club right over there across the river, um, and he would talk about seeing uh, you know Black Flag and Ramones there. So I think maybe not the Ramones, but uh, punk bands. You know, that, that, and it was the one punk punk club in the Midwest that every punk band traveling from New York to Chicago back would do a gig at Jockey Club right over there and. Um, and it used to be an old, you know, speakeasy and place where they had all the gambling and prostitution and crime and all that stuff over there. But in the 80s, it became the owner, owner named Shorty, just turned it into a punk club, and it became a mecca for a small group of misfits, you know. And I, and I, it's I had always heard about that club, and so later for us, it was Sudsy Malones and you know, and pl- places like that um, were the places we would see. I saw like morphine at Sudsy Malones, you know, and and. Iggy Pop at Bogart's and so Cincinnati has always had this like potent, I mean Iggy Pop did his peanut butter thing here you know at the big fe- the jazz oh, festival okay. where he's like on standing on the hands of the crowd covered in peanut butter that happened downtown yeah in 70 something aware of that always been aware of Cincinnati and I always thought of Cincinnati had I thought every town had it, it had this kind of scene but I realize now the perspective is like not everybody not every town has has an has a underground sort of music scene or sort of something, like the way Cincinnati
0: seems to always have had. Is that true for you, too? Like, have you always had that appreciation?
1: Yeah, I mean, the when we were... My my sister is three years older, and she, she kind of... So she was in high school in the late 80s, early 90s, and she kind of rebelled, and she found all these bands like Throneberry and Soda and Lizard 99 and Brainiac, and they were all and she was like in that scene as like a 16, 17 year old. She was a uh, ballet dancer, but she kind of like had friends and, and, a, and a boyfriend, different boyfriends that were in bands and that was when we were just like starting to form our own bands with Brian Devendorf and um, it was definitely like in down University of Cincinnati there's always been in, Cl- in the Clifton area where Sudsies was and there were a couple music shops and it was like a very it. I mean it It was and it still is like a kind of like a, a can be a, a rough neighborhood in the sense of like you go down there and you know we didn't know what was going to happen and we would but as, as soon as we were able to like drive with our friends we would go down and try to see shows and just like go to coffee shops and you were aware that there were like bands that yeah. were good and they were doing stuff um, and you know we would go like that's where we pawned our baseball card collection for our first <laughs> guitars and stuff. Um so it was but it was cool and we were not cool at that time. So we were just <laughs> like, Whoa, that's where the cool people are. Um but it it has there's always been like palpable tension of all kinds in this town. Political, you know, there's lots of the same issues that play out in everywhere in the country are like kind of magnified here and so also like the art scene and, and like the counter to the art scene, like the Republican establishment and stuff, and um, that I think it does. And then people, there's just it can be. If you live in suburban Ohio, there isn't a lot to do, but it's kind of a fertile place for people that want to be artists, because like you kind of just have to like use your imagination. And Bryce and I were like in living basically down in the woods in a basement, like never really, like hardly ever went to downtown Cincinnati unless somebody got tickets to a Reds game, or if like there was a you know, there was never a a way or a reason that we were coming down here, it was always like this place that we didn't know about, so we just kind of like created our own band and that's what we did, you know, all the time with Brian and um, that was kind of our upbringing. And then we started as we got older and we could go down to UC and that's when Scott and Matt were in college. Um, we started to get, get like, a window into what was actually going
0: on. Yeah, I, I was just talking to someone before we started talking about... S- Cincinnati is kind of interesting geographically because it's, like, the edge of the south, midwest, and east. Like, you're not... Like, if you cross the river, you're in Kentucky. If you go a little bit east, it feels like you're in the east coast, and, like, the midwest is kind of behind. So you're, you're sort of, like... It's like the DMZ zone <laughs> or something. <laughs> right. it literally, the, they like
1: confederate troops like on the other side of the river and you know it's in the in the war this is yeah. the mason dixon this is the, yeah. like yeah, not right now this literally was <laughs> the front line of the civil
2: war right right there that's yeah. that's, that's, that's that river was uh yeah um
0: this isn't you know this is an event you guys have organized and you had that thing last year at the basilica before the record came out and there's a thing in new york i think coming up in the fall is are you also doing sort of a festival-like thing in LA as well, or is that are those just sort of because that's at the Forum, right? Or yeah, is that Palladium? Palladium. It's like a little.
1: No, those are just like I mean I think those are just a couple shows in a row that Phoebe Bridgers is opening. But we've been trying like to figure out how to play our own shows where that can feel like a gathering and include a lot of friends and have collaborations and get outside of you know like spend the day doing other things and then come together and play as the band and it feels like a, a more, in some ways it's more exciting than like playing the same kinds of places night after night you know, a normal national show or something so we're kind of using this here to experiment with that a lot
0: I mean, So do you feel like that is as much for the band as for your audience? I mean because obviously this is also like a different kind of experience for people, I'm sure a lot of people traveled here, I mean it seems like it's sort of like a destination show rather than just waiting for the National to come to your town. I mean, is there something there also with your audience that, I mean, because it feels like a lot of artists are doing this now where they're creating their own festivals and it's almost like a way for an audience to strengthen their bond with an artist more. I mean, do you feel like that comes into play with what you guys have been doing?
2: Uh, I mean, it's the, the the festivals are evolving. It feels like um, I mean, Aaron and Aaron and Bryce have been setting up different and trying different versions of it, and some of them or go great, and some of them are. It's it's you you got to find the right size, the right kind of environment for the environment. Meaning like what they're doing in Berlin is people festival is kind of totally di- is is different than what they're doing in eau claire and different with what they're, what they're doing here probably different than what they're doing in copenhagen so but each each right that there's yeah, I mean, the four big ones you guys are doing but each one's kind of catered to the to the place a little bit
1: i mean yeah i think it's like it's less about actually creating festivals as it is like we're all musicians and there's like a collective realization amongst us and a lot of our and our peers that like traveling around playing the same songs in the same venues that are all owned by the same two media you know, giant conglomerates is not that satisfying for, for us or for the audience and if you can actually get outside of that and like create more possibility for like right now Ben, I just was watching our Ben Lands who's plays trombone with us like do a gig with his Lands project and right before that Bryce and I had played at improvised for 45 minutes and last night we we improvised in the theater and Mouse on Mars played and, and it kind of all builds up into like it's like all the musical DNA of our community coming together and also people that we don't know like coming in to play and it for us it's, it's sort of like a, a way to plant seeds and also just get fuel for the band also as far as like what's going on with the new music we want to make and and then when we play later, yeah, that's like tapping into this to the thing that's always been there for so many years and is still growing but it's, I guess it's it's as much about our own musical lives as it is about like for the audience, but I also think the audience if, you know, when I go to these things, I want to see things that I've never heard before or people trying stuff that that are, it's raw or unpolished or sort of like you know, people collaborating in ways that are not pre-scripted or like, a, you know, kind of on this in the same produced fashion because so much music these days is so canned and kind of like, I mean even you know, even for us it's, it's we play all our instruments but like we, you get into habits and you play, the, you know, you've been playing the same songs and it's hard to get up there without rehearsal and do something new and different, it's not totally normal, you know, unless you're the Grateful Dead or something. But, <laughs> um, anyway, so the, yeah, the, each, I think all of these events um, And you do see a lot of artists doing this. And I think it's because maybe people are getting a little bit tired of the same format. You know, it's like, um, so this is like artist run and artist curated things feel different. They do.
0: Okay, we're gonna get back to my conversation with The National in a minute here. But I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors for this week's episode. And it is our old friends at SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning out a night with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for a great value. Now, I use the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way that I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets for Counting Crows. Yes, we all know that I am a Counting Crows fan. August 4th, the morning after, Recovering the Satellites. I think I have to do a Counting Crows podcast at some point. I, I know people have asked me to do this, to stand up for Adam Duritz. I actually want to have Adam Duritz on the podcast. That is something I'm in the process of trying to do right now. Hopefully that will happen. Anyway. For listeners of this podcast, I have a special deal. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter in the promo code CELEBRATION, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, just enter in the promo code CELEBRATION when you get that app, and you will get $20 off your first purchase. So you're going to buy tickets anyway, so why not give it a shot? That is SeatGeek. Again, promo code CELEBRATION, get $20 off your next ticket purchase. Okay, let's get back to my conversation with The National. (laughs) The National. Yeah, I was going to say that there is something different to a festival that you feel like someone actually handpicked the lineup, you know, like where all the artists are connected in some way, even if it's just someone saying, I like all these artists, and that's why they're here, rather than, you know, like a lot of festivals feel like they're the same bands all the time. And you know, that those are the bands that are available, maybe in a certain period, or whatever. Um, just based on your own experiences with touring or Playing other festivals was what, like, what did you learn about what you didn't want to do with your own events like this? I mean, one of
2: the things I think is the, I I'm like I'm not a good I'm not a good curator and I'm not a good event organizer, but what I but I but I but what I'm seeing and I'm really happy about and feel it feels just good is that the 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 thi- the, the the delineation from I mean of course there's only different bands artists you know there's posters and there's 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 a hierarchy to it all right and 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 as i mean as a band starting out it gives you it gives you something you want your font to get bigger on the poster and it's something to measure right but after a while you start to like that whole that whole hierarchy that's in these posters and all this stuff starts to feel stupid and it starts to feel um odd or something and it's not again like weirdly it's like uh, this like pyramid scheme of of music or something I, i don't know what it is and and so I, I, a lot of what these guys are doing, with some of these festivals, like they're in like for example in Berlin, they don't even tell you who, who's going to be there, and, or sort of. Or, or like, there's no hierarchy yeah, yeah. to the thing. That's the extreme version, you know. But then there's there's because the national we've been we've been a band that's five guys, right, for 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 twenty years. But like four or five years into that, it became more than five guys. It became a different people. And then Kyle and Ben have been part of the band for for over a decade and. Uh, and the people in our crew, and all, this, and then the, then our collaborators, our friends like Sufjan, and 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 you know Justin and Richie, and and you could go down the line, Annie and, and Sharon Bennett, and all these people that we've just crossed paths with, and then continue to Lisa Hannigan, all these so many people. The National feels like it's just it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a the, the, uh, a network of 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 collaborators now you know that's the way i think of the national and even like everybody's got side projects they're all have different names but it's all it's all connected to the same spider web or, or, or fabric of friends yeah. so I, I i of course the national is like has a has a, has a, it's a band five dudes from cincinnati a rock band but that's not the way any of us actually feel a bit like we don't we don't that's not what it feels like inside our minds or souls it doesn't feel like there's that there's our friendships the five of us but it's, it's, it's become a much blurrier bigger and more interesting thing you know it's like our records are lots of people are, are we're, we're, we're bringing lots of people in and now we're working on a bunch of projects that are even even more inclusive and, and, and I'm writing for, for 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 not just my own thoughts I'm trying to write for the purposes of other people's Needs or the stories that other people or other characters are trying to tell. Um, one of them is like the Cyrano de the musical that we that we've been cooking and um, and and then a few other projects. But but there's we're starting to we're starting to think of our our band is is not just like a bunch of guys that put out a forty five minute thing every every once every couple of years and then go tour it, but just a kind of a, a continuing workshop of friends, you know.
0: I mean, do you feel like that's something you've done to sort of combat a lot of the, I guess, like stasis that affects bands when they get to where you're at? I mean, like you said, you're about to celebrate your 20th anniversary. You know, a lot of bands, when they get to 20 years, they either break up or it starts to feel stale. I mean, is that something... It seems like you guys have kind of actively taken steps like along the way to avoid that kind of thing.
1: It's it's definitely not like something that we calculate or... To talk about it's sort of like Matt was saying, like from the very early time, like I think when the national got good, it was partly because we started, but well, one we like we we like had sort of cut our teeth, you know opening for better bands, and we were like had been humiliated enough that we like got our shit together, but the Walkman taught us to get yeah, our shit together yeah. but but it was also because we like Pat Manosom, the Australian. Composer who was basically a sixth member of the band for like 10 years, also. And he was involved in Alligator, or actually Cherry Tree was the first record he's on. And then he was he was there. And like when we started to open up our process to other people and really get bounced things around a lot, like Boxer, by the time of Boxer, Sufyan Suf was like all over that process. And not because we wanted Sufyan to like make our stuff better, but it was just we were friends and we were all hanging out he was making stuff we were making stuff everybody's listening and that really does happen like when I before we finish records we always there are certain people we go to not like send it to them we actually go sit there and mess around with it and that's happened for for a long time so that and that's just magnified over the years into these other kinds of like I'm making stuff right now with Justin Vernon which is really just a product of Like going back to Dark Was the Night, which was a product of this same thing of like, oh, we're all just making stuff, let's do something for charity. That's how we met. And, you know, so then ten years later, there's like a record of that, of like that friendship. Um, But yeah, it does, in some ways it does allow us to like escape the stasis of like running out of ideas or something. Because we don't, we never feel like we've run out of ideas because there's constantly these other currents of like out there other friends and other ideas other projects collaborations you know um so we were never a band that was like in love with its own shadow or in love with its own you know my my way of playing the guitar is in right. way you know so
0: it, it is interesting though because you know you mentioned all these other people that have contributed to the records but there's still this idea of like a band being like a set lineup of people and even like when you see band photos, it's like, oh, those are the same five guys on the record. And people have an idea of like what a national record is versus whatever else you guys might do, even if it's involving some many of the same people. And uh, I'm just wondering, like, why do you think that is? Why does that matter? And is that something, like, do we have to get over that? You know, is that sort of like just like old rock mythology like, coming into play with that? Because, because, I think people do connect with U five as like, well, that's the band, even if yeah, it's that made is. More I mean, that. that
2: is the. I mean,
0: that is the. With our band, it is the central
2: chemistry for sure, and not always it, that is the five of us are the, whatever the center, the, the centers of the solar system and the whole thing. But like, but by bringing in lots of other planets and and um or into the thing that bounce off each other or whatever, just people, it's. Uh, it, it, it becomes much more multi-dimensional, much more interesting to us. And, and like for, I, mean, I don't know, like the song like Ada that Sufjan sort of just took it and he, but he did, with the, and then it just turned it into something that that uh, it just added a dimension that made it broader than our own than our own dimensions. And, yeah. and, and so even so, a lot of it and some of the things that we're collaborating right now, they're like more really, really like this is half your project, half out, half. The national, or whatever it's like, I, I, it's making us. I think it's we're we're more interesting artists and better writers and better because we're we're trying to we're trying to understand or it's not just navel gazing trying to like. You know try to like get get in your zone or what's 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 comfortable what's your wheelhouse like we have a wheelhouse we know how to do certain types of songs great and we just like we're all just like sliding this, but it's we're much we're having a lot more fun when we step outside of that stuff and yeah. songs and and do stuff that like we have no idea if it's if it sounds ridiculous or exciting and and it's that combination of like our the things we know that we're just really good at but then also Trying all the things that we don't know for good at at all, and, yeah. and and other people like are coming and and open up windows for us that way, and and, and show us that like there's actually not, not there's not even a wall there, like like just go look like that, and you, you don't have to think of it that way, and like oh, melody and and, and words and stuff, like I, I've just learned from other writers like how to write better and how to the how to make the process better. Um, we're trying to learn how to have fun with the process and the what the record sounds like at the end. Ultimately. If you're not enjoying the process, it's probably not going to. So we we don't worry about the end product. It's just like let's 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 have fun along the way and, yeah. and and if it if it works as a as a piece at the end, awesome. If it doesn't, that's also kind of interesting. And and we're we're almost as excited over the songs that we do that are just flops or failures and and we don't know sometimes either after after a while. Um, and that's a much more uh, exciting spot to be in, where, where you're, you know, kind of bumping up to get into the walls every once in a while when you're walking around in the dark.
1: Right. There is, I mean, also, to, like, another thought, just in response to your question about, like, is a band, like, is that idiom or paradigm, like, somewhat, does it get tired or does it get sort of, does it reach a stasis or something? And I think that... Part of, like, with these events and, and, like, with Eau Claire, you know, like, we're not announcing the lineup, and I won't say if the National's playing or not, because, like, in a way, it's not, it's like, are the National, are those guys going to be at Eau Claire? Or, like, all the, you know, are all those guys going to be there? Probably. And, like, will, will we play some of our songs? Probably. But hopefully everyone in the National, all the musicians, everyone there, including our crew, who has an awesome band, like, hopefully, like, everyone can... Spread out and do stuff, and that's kind of this idea that I think is is very needed in in music today. Is like to, to get outside of like a branded, like everything is so heavily branded, and there's so much noise out there. And to cut, and we, you know, it's the same thing. You release an album, and there's just like you, in order for an album to be successful, you kind of just have to like it's like a media blitz, and it's just like <laughs> every, and we don't. It feels like you're caught in this. You don't even, it's pretty disconnected from the actual thing you were having fun with your friends making something. And so I think there, and that's why, like, what Matt was referring to in Berlin, like, that's just meant, like, the people, these people events are just meant to, like, not have any of that kind of structure, you know, none of those hierarchical structures are, like, branded, kind of like, you're, well, you're here as this person, you need to do that thing that people are paying tickets to see you do. Right. No, just come, and if you feel like doing something, do it but like no one you know everyone's just there as an individual to like work on stuff make stuff if we get up and play national songs great if i get up and do something with bryce or someone i just met doing you know like and and have an interesting experience that's actually when i've always felt there's the most creative growth or something that happens and like as an audience member walking around seeing that i'm always very excited by things like that and you know more spontaneous um Work and so we that's kind of like what music now the festival that's been here for so long that that's what has always was happening here is like it was always like don't come play your songs that you play every night come do something you haven't done before. Um, and I think so that's that's the interesting experiment that's going on here is like we have in a way this is a more conventional thing happening today down here but at the same time like you walk up into the museum there's all kinds of stuff happening and at different venues throughout the city so we're trying to like see is there a way to like blend these yeah worlds
0: it's almost know? like training the audience in a way too to like expect a certain thing a certain kind of experience versus going to a traditional rock show where you're just yeah. going to see a band on stage do the songs you you know already
2: we do know though that like like when I go see a band, I want I, I don't know, there's like I want to see certain songs. I want to hear them. I want to watch the band do those songs um, because I just want to see what it's like, what they look like when they're playing them live. It's like everything. I just want to see what it's like. Can they pull off? Can it, is, it as, is it going to be as good live as is the is the one I've listened to five hundred times? You know that is fun, and we know that we respect that. So we're, we're not. Exa- I mean, Dylan has kind of gone to a point where he's like. It, I also think that's incredible. He he's only he's only doing it for himself you know and and that's 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 fun to see you know that's what fun to watch that sometimes it's not fun to watch that for three hours uh you know or something like that but uh so so we are are finding that that middle ground hopefully i'm a guy i like this i like all the the old songs too so and i like to i like when i know the lyrics so that i remember (laughs) what they i like i like being comfortable with knowing how how to do what i'm doing good and i like I like I like to sing old songs. It's like yeah. I, I have fun every night singing even the ones i've sung over a thousand times
0: okay we're gonna get back to my conversation with the national in a minute here but i want to tell you about another one of our sponsors for this week's episode and it is our old friends at blue apron now blue apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the united states and while many people know what they do many don't know about the types of meals you can eat when you cook with blue apron you're not just having burgers for dinner you're making short rib burgers with a hoppy cheddar sauce on a pretzel bun you're preparing seared steaks and thyme pan sauce with mashed potatoes green beans, and crispy shallots, all in under 45 minutes and without a trip to the grocery store. Now, for six weeks, from April 16th through May 21st, Blue Apron is teaming with Airbnb to bring you the best home cooking from around the world. Each week, our menu will feature a recipe developed in collaboration with an Airbnb Experiences host like CC. A chef from Shanghai who makes incredible Kung Pao chicken, a beloved sticky sauce mix of crispy brown chicken and vegetables. Now, doesn't that sound delicious? Well, for my listeners, I'm offering this special deal. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com celebration. Again, that's blueapron.com slash celebration to get your first three meals for free. That's right. That's from Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, let's get back to my conversation with The National. We were talking about Eau Claire's earlier. I, I saw you guys at Eau Claire in 2015, and that's like one of my favorite national shows. And then I was talking to someone later, and he's like, "Matt forgot a bunch of words and songs." Oh,
2: was, oh yeah, that was a really tr- that was a really that was actually a, more than any other show. Seven songs, I, I, I think. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't clocking them, but, but other people clocked them. And I believe it was seven. I was told there were seven songs. I forgot the lyrics too.
1: I don't think so. I clocked
2: them. No, 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 I, no I was I joking. Was
0: I was like, I was so rock and roll on that show that I had no idea. I was just totally into the vibe That's the of thing. the show.
2: That's something I've learned. That like, like we just had a show in LA that I was in a crazy place. I was just like, whatever, anxiety, just a million things were just, and it wasn't anything. I mean, I literally I don't even remember what I was. What I was so in a tangle about, but we had to take the stage in front of like my p- family was there, all these people were there. And at Hollywood Bowl, and and um, and I just I had a, uh, a very difficult time enjoying myself, but everybody thought it was an incredible show. I mean, like in and, and, and or, or I think most people did. And but I had a, like I had one of the most difficult, you know, sort of professional experiences of my life that night as a, as a performer and just as the, but there was all my own shit tangled up. Yet I, yet the songs were the thing that I like held on to and was able to like. And I lost my shit and I fucked up songs that night. But it was like the, the that's why I say like coming back, having the songs, where like I know the words of all the chaos of my own mental chaos, anxieties, whatever it was, too much weed, who knows what it was. But it had been <laughs> all those things together. The songs were my, were the thing, were the, were the ropes I just grabbed onto to keep myself um, okay. And right after the show, I, I, I you know, I which I do a lot. I like When I have the build up and after a show, it's, it's emotional, it's big, it's, it's stressful. And then I, I just, I melt down a little bit. I have tiny meltdowns, some once a week after a show. Not, they're all private. I just go back to the hotel room and, and sometimes I'll get drunk. Sometimes I'll just, I'll, I'll listen to metal and, 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 and do push-ups sometimes i'll will just uh sob my eyes out for 20 minutes and it's because so you feel like you screwed
0: up and like not that I can't.
2: that's no, not about the screwing up it's 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 it's, it's the collective um build up of, of of uh of anxiety right? yeah. and, and 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 just stuff just stuff and and we're trying and, and and we see it we see each other in our band and you, you see and everything happens you just sometimes people have to like. Have to just center themselves and take a breather, and, and we're living like it's like we're, we're things are going wonderful. Like we live in we have great v- buses and great hotel rooms and stuff, but just the untetheredness of the world and the and the getting on stage and performing does it does, does a does a number on you, you know. Especially after sequence after night or night, we managed to like always we've always managed to like stop and take a break and pull the car to the side of the road before we we, we, we drive into a tree
0: yeah.
2: and um and like that hollywood bowl show was us just was like us about to hit a tree and then so the next night we kind of we slammed on the brakes and it, we re, re, reorganized our ourselves and took a break and slowed down and, and so we know when to we know when to pull the car aside and, yeah. and, and 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 just
1: you know get out of the car for a minute yeah. change the tires you know <laughs> it is uh, hard it's hard though like that there is it's not a normal like to have to get on none of us went to like school to learn how to handle this lifestyle or like, you know, you're untel- like everyone, you can be like just running on fumes floating around, you know, and not even and know it till
2: suddenly you're like at, even out of fumes, you know, yeah. um, and, and all of a your, your plane just starts falling, just, just dropping, and like, I mean, we see each other, we see like we've all been there, we've all been there, we're like, oh, they're in trouble, and it has nothing to do with the, with, it doesn't matter why or how they got there, they're in trouble, like, and, and we know how to like just stop, and catch each other from hitting the hitting the rocks. You know, yeah.
0: so. Can I ask quick? I heard I think you said this last year that you already had a new record written. Is that true, or like where are you at with that?
2: We have a thing that when we finished Trouble or sorry when we finished Sleepwell Bees. There were when Trump won. There's a bunch of songs that just felt they felt they like, they should be waited on so we had all that stuff then we've been writing a bunch of stuff that complements that and works with it and so there's and we've been collaborating with somebody uh, who's kind of acting as the first time we're acting we've been working with somebody who's uh, there's a project that's like it's, it's not just it's not a new national record but it's a, it's a it's a collaborative thing but we're able to we're we're, we're 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 bringing in all this new stuff that we've some of it was started to cook but but we're we're, we're we're finishing it now, yeah, yeah, and it's coming together, and, and it's, we, it's starting. We're realizing it's it's a record that's almost finished, and so. But but the the, the collaborative process, the way we're doing it, it, still has a way to go. I know I'm being
0: really vague. So is that like it's like somebody and the national. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, it's nice. uh,
1: no. I mean. No. It's I think we want to Bob avoid Dylan being in the direct, <laughs> that's, right? that's how you brought talked about. It's Dylan. It's, it's hard to explain. You're doing it's like Bob American Dylan standards. And Young <laughs> Bruce
2: Springsteen. No, it's Patty not Smith another too. musician. <laughs> it's not another musician. Just like the Cyrano thing, we're working with Erica Schmidt and and uh, Peter Dinklage and stuff. And and for that, I think that's all known. And so we've been. You know we've been writing songs that are supporting the play the story of Cyrano de Bergerac and the characters there but I'm also bringing all my own stuff to that's a story about a guy with a big nose who doesn't think he can get the girl he's in love with you know that's that's territory I'm I'm, uh, I'm comfortable in you know <laughs> and so so it's I'm writing about myself but I'm also writing about this woman Roxanne in, in this and this character Christian and this character Cyrano and, and I'm I'm trying to, you know, and so that's been, that's opened up a way of writing for me that, I, that is, I'm servicing other people's stories yet using my own understanding of my own humanity to try to understand those characters. Yeah. And so this other project that we're working on is, also, is, is in a similar vein and, and um, it's not so specifically, here's a story, Cyrano de Bergerac, we're writing music for it. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a new thing um and but it's connected to a a, a specific kind of story of a, okay. of, a, of a of a person um it's hard to explain but so it's so it's it's, it's in it service it will something make else. sense i i
0: i feel obligated to tell you that i don't we're think we're not you're making
2: know- a record necessarily about ourselves again like okay it feels like all the seven records we've done are like national records about the national this one is not about the lyrics aren't so much about me or about it's uh, that's, that's,
0: I was just going to say, I don't think your nose is that big. I never (laughs) noticed you having a big nose. I I wouldn't have thought that until you said that. It It looked bigger uh, before (laughs) you
2: said it. (laughs) It looked bigger (laughs) without the glasses. No, no, no. Maybe you're
0: telling the truth right now, so it's small.
2: I grew into my nose. The rest of my body got bigger around it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I feel like I have to ask quick about Boxer, because you're going to be performing that here. And... I know, like, I wrote about Boxer. Yeah. You said that you read that. And I said that it was the best national record, and I compared it to other national records.
2: Oh, recently you still the best one. So we've gone... Well, I don't know. Uh-
0: it's funny, because lately I've been big on um, Trouble Will Find Me. I feel like that's, like, a huge grower, and I feel like in five years I'll probably say Sleep Well Beast, because, like, when Trouble Will Find Me came out, I thought, this is a good record. And the next year I thought, this is a very good record. This yeah. is a great record. This is my favorite, you know. It's
1: our, it's our curse. We can't make a record people think is good at first. Well, I, you know? I, thought, well, I thought it was <laughs> maybe great maybe that's, our secret. that's, our, that's our, our secret to success.
0: But, uh, but, you know, I think Boxer is believed by a lot of people to be, like, their favorite national record anyway. I was wondering how you guys feel about it. I, I, I'm guessing you don't think of your own music in those sort of analytical ranking comparison type ways or maybe it's you do the one
2: where we figured out our, it's the one where we 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 knew that we weren't like those other bands that this was it was the one where we started to, to understand ourselves as ourselves a little bit it was like the one that felt like all of our our our, our separate weirdnesses Harmonic like started to work together and and it it created a a it created some sort of magical new flavor Or new new emotional potency that we all recognize right away and and it felt Different so it did feel different for us. So it feels like it's like it's when we went from from uh, Super awkward, you know preteen to uh, not necessarily adult, but like it's our first teenage record or something and where you it's got, like you
0: got hairy armpits yeah it's got it's got <laughs> it's
2: it, it's an individual it's not trying to be anybody else you know it's yeah. it's it's finding it's our, we were finding ourselves there with that record so i can see uh we feel like we've we've become i feel like i've become a better writer and a, and a better performer and i feel like we've done a lot of more interesting things mm-hmm. but for us at the time yeah that was what also you know following up a record that had what, we thought was what for us the, re- the song that got it most attention was like the Screamy song, Mr. November and stuff like that and so we follow that record that has these loud Screamy songs without the with a, with a record with none of those Screamy songs and I guess it's the one thing that like I'm really glad that we didn't do that because I felt like we had put a even, even some of the songs we've written after that I felt if Boxer had one of those songs it would have been pushed to be the big one the one like ah you know and sometimes the one where you're just loudest and, and 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 selling it the hardest is the least the least important one, you yeah. know. And so I felt like Boxer had a lot of un, like soft uh, underhand pitches, but that that were that like would get past the It would just would would land right where you want them to. And so we didn't feel like we needed a a, uh, a fastball.
0: Yeah, I mean, was that around the time that the Walkman told you to get your shit together? Like, when, when did yeah, that happen? Probably, yeah.
1: No, that was earlier. That was like. Right around the time of cherry tree yeah. and stuff, where that we, we opened for them, and it was just so they were just like blowing us out of the, cl- the club okay, every I'm night, and they still, you know, still one of the best live bands I've ever seen. So, um, but yeah, the the music. I think that at the the time of, I mean, it was really alligator within boxer. There were there weren't any. There was one song that we kind of argued about a lot, guest room, which Matt didn't want on there, but. For the most part it felt it did you know there was a feeling of like oh this is something is happening here that we were able to like Matt said not rely on the one formula that had gotten us some measure of success which was like when Matt would become very unhinged yeah, yeah. live and when Brian would like you know become this machine and like machine gun the, the snare drum um and, yeah, so that we were able to, like, create a, a great record that didn't have any of those things. It did feel like, okay, we're good, something's happening.
0: So. Right, and we can do whatever we want, the record after this. Yeah. And, yeah. All right, well, I think I have to go. Thanks. And went to take a whiz, so I'll shake your hand. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, that was me and Aaron from The National talking about Homecoming, talking about Boxer, talking about where the band is at in its career, talking about future collaborations. Hopefully we'll be hearing maybe a new record from The National soon. Although who knows exactly what that record will sound like, if it'll they'll, if they'll actually be called The National or called something else. Who knows? But it's exciting to think about. And I think that band is always going to be do, doing something cool. So thank you again for listening. And of course, thank you to Derek Madden, as always, for putting this all together. Thank you, Josh Copperman, for writing our theme song. Uh, And guys, thank you for uh, supporting the podcast, telling people about us spreading the word. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and we will talk to you again next week.
2: On the Westwood One Podcast Network.